Hiya, how you doing? Hello. Nice to see you. Um, yeah, as, as has already been mentioned, um, this theme, you know, we can't skirt around some of the issues that are being faced in the world. And I just want to give you advance warning of, of next week when Dr. Joseph D'Souza is here. Um, that is going to be quite a hard-hitting message, I'm sure, because some of the people he's dealing with and some of the issues they are facing can't really be screened out as he delivers it. So do be aware of that. We are going to um, continue to have places for the children to go. Um, keep them occupied if you can, if you've got them in here with, um, with anything. I have did some more colouring sheets and things today. Mine is actually not going to be like that, so we should be fine. Um, <clears throat> But it's just one of those topics, isn't it? We have, to, we have to talk about these things. It just so happened that God put it on our hearts for the school holidays. But I don't think that was a mistake. I think that in us going closer, deeper, further, and then into justice, this is just the way that God has lined up this year for us. And uh, we're excited about it. We had a great time at New Wine. <clears throat> there were, um, yeah, the first couple of days, goodness, they were wet. But um, Nikki and I were in a caravan, so we were okay. No, uh, that, I mean, we were okay, but... Then the next day was really lovely and sunny, but apparently, I missed it, I was in, in a venue somewhere or in a meeting, there was um, this freak wind came through the site, but didn't get everyone, it was almost like a, a mini cyclone, and it came through and it was like lifting people's event shelters in the air and throwing them up, and someone was like, take, took a picture of their own event shelter flying over the top of a big marquee, it was, that was quite fun, but that was on a sunny day, so, but it was great, and uh, don't let that put you off from coming next year. Um, Nikki and I had the opportunity to to meet with lots of different people and you just heard in in church life about open doors <clears throat> and the work of open doors I had a chat with Sam who's one of the people who are heading up that organization and uh, he would love to come here um, in the autumn if he can so this uh, it'd be good to to hear from him find out more about what that organization is doing we're just going to get that ready um, Nikki and I spoke on leaving a legacy in our lives in one of the venues and another on the power of praise and just a testimony you know we were talking about the stuff that we do, we're, we're getting used to doing, we're getting trained to do, which is to, to raise a hallelujah in a dark place. And, and the people in that room really got it. And we were all singing out together at the end. It's one of the bonuses for us is that we can do a talk and then I can stick a guitar on and we can go into a ministry time. Um, and it was a really powerful time. And this lady came forward and said to um, Nikki that her husband is going through um, cancer, really in a difficult stage of treatment. And um, she wanted to come to get close to God and hear from him, but she knew she be, should be home and didn't know why she'd come and she felt bad for leaving home and, and stuff. And then she said, the reason I came to New Wine was for this seminar so that I could learn how to sing a hallelujah over his situation and take that home with me. So the DNA of, of the church is getting out and the network's getting out. So thank you for, for sending us. Thank you for supporting us in prayer and loving us. Um, yeah, she's occupied. Um, people are asking for updates of my brother all the time. Um, and thank you for your prayers for my bro. Um, the the, the tumours are um, responding incredibly well to the treatment, which is awesome. Uh, we're so pleased by that. He can't actually see any of them anymore. So he had big lumps on his feet, his neck, all over, bicep, ribs, because you know they're in 40 locations. Um, he can't find any of them, even when he pushes deep and digs around, which is incredible. The treatment has unfortunately... Um, really hurt his liver and has given him hepatitis, um, uh, autoimmune hepatitis, so he's attacking himself in there. So they've had to stop the treatment for a while while they give him the highest steroids, steroids he can have. Um, but brilliantly, his liver found out a couple of days ago, his liver is responding really well to, the, to that treatment. So what they're hoping to be able to do is give a bit of cancer treatment, then 
heal his liver, then a bit of cancer treatment, then heal his liver. Um, and that seems to be working well. We'll, find, we'll have more of an update at the end of the month. But thank you for your prayers and for your support. And we continue as a family to raise a hallelujah over him. And we do continue to wait for the day when he's going to walk through the door. And we're all going to cheer because God has done amazing miracles. Um, if you read the blurb this month, some of you will. The blurb, by the way, is the bit that Nikki and I write at the start of the newsletter. Oh, hang on. You could pause or something when you put this online now. It's not interesting. I wrote a little story about um, a, a memory of when I was walking around South End Seafront. I'm just, gonna, I'm just going to um, highlight it to you. I can't, I've got this, this response. I can't not respond when Arya shouts daddy at me. It's very cute. I'm like, oh, hi. I can't, I can't ignore it. But, so as long as it happens, I'll keep responding. Um, there's probably a God thing in there somewhere. Um, yeah, I was walking on South End, South End Seafront. I just said South End with an F. <gasps> but I've moved to Chelmsford. Anyway, yeah, I was down in South End and uh, I was <laughs> talking like I used to. And I was, we were walking on the seafront and I saw this sort of heated conversation, at least heated conversation between this man and this woman in a bus stop. And um, as we walked past, suddenly there was this sort of slamming sound. It was like this. And I thought, now either she's just got being clocked or he's pushed her into the bus shelter by where they were standing. So I thought, well, we've got to get involved here. So I turned around, went back. He started then getting a bit aggressive with me, but thankfully didn't turn that into anything physical. Started shouting at her while I was there. And then off he went. And I stayed with this lady for uh, definitely over an hour. She, it's amazing because... She'd, she'd um, had a skinful, definitely, of something. And we were sitting down on this bench, and we went to sit down together, and she missed. She totally missed the bench, went back, and I almost felt the thud of her head on the floor, through the concrete floor myself, on my feet. And this lady was in a bad way, and she kept just saying, I'm not really a bad person. I'm not a bad person. Thank you for staying with me. I'm really not that bad. I, and people are beautiful, and people are broken, and people are hurting. Um, and they need us to step in. They need us to get involved in some way. And as I said in that thing, I'm not a brave person. I don't seek out trouble. But sometimes God just says go and you just got to go. And um, I want this message today to really tie in with, with kindness. And it's not going to be a long message because I know the children are here. I'm thinking maybe quarter past. Won't be long at all, but I think it's really profound to look at the kindness of God. And that's been brought up in our pre-service prayer and already mentioned this morning. God is so kind. He's so kind to us. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. And I don't know, uh, any of the kids from Kids Church? Any kids from Kids Church who've done a song about the fruits of the Spirit? Do any of you know that song about the fruits of the Spirit? Because I know at home now, thanks to Kids Church, that the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. <laughs> okay, does anyone want to sing about the fruits of the Spirit to us? Anyone from Kids Church who knows the song, come and join me on the platform and come and sing about the fruits of the Spirit. Let's uh, give them a round of applause. Oh, well, my own daughter. Anybody, come on, up you come. Come on, Casper. Come on, Casper. Up you come, Aria. Thank you, you guys. Yeah, come on. Come on, Nevaeh. Come on, Jazz. Yeah, you know the song. Let's go. We got this. See, the fruit of the Spirit is a good thing to learn about. Took me ages to learn, but one song and I've nailed it. Are you coming, Jess? Okay, so are you ready to sing about the fruits of the Spirit? Yes. Let's go then. Come in, come in close, come in close. Let's go. Can I go last? You all together, just all go together. The fruit of the Spirit. 
The fruit is burning a coconut. The fruit is burning a coconut. You want to be a coconut. You might well hear it. You can't be a fruit to the spirit, but the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. The fruit of the spirit is not a watermelon. The fruit of the spirit is not a watermelon. You want to be the watermelon. I be the fruit of the spirit because the fruit is love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, self control. Love, joy, and peace, kindness, kindness, and self control. Yay! There we go. Thank you. We're all done. Thank you very much. You can pop back down now. Thank you, Nabal. It's fine. You're safe. Brilliant, isn't it? The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Kindness, fruit of the Spirit, is kindness. It's so important that we are kind to each other. And um, there's a couple of Bible passages that I was looking at, one in particular, where there's an opportunity for kindness to be shown that changes absolutely everything. Um, let's just click through because, you know, I'm not the best at clicking, especially if it's not working. Can we go on from that one, please? Yeah, and the next one, please. There we go. I love this proverb. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. That could be the whole theme. These, these four lines could be the whole theme for two months for us to unpack together. I'll read it again. Make a note of it, stick it in your phone somewhere, highlight it, meditate on it. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. You know, I was just thinking I wanted to honour my parents this morning and say that everything that I do, I'm doing on the shoulders of giants. My dad was a special needs head when, when he, uh, during his career. He's a street pastor, well into his mid-70s on South End Seafront, which is not a place I would like to be in the middle of the night looking after people. He does an annual trip still, even though he's now past 80, to India to educate teachers on how to bring education to um, boys and girls and change their lives. He is brave beyond belief. He's not a big guy, but he is brave. And there are some girls who work close to our house um, in South End on the streets at night. And my dad will go over and chat with them and they say, you're not allowed over here. I'm being watched and stuff. He's like, I don't mind. They're like, you're in danger if you stay. And he's like, I don't mind. I'm going to go and get you a cup of tea. And he'll go and get a cup of tea and he'll sit with people and talk with people. And he's just a fearless lover of people. My mum, when um, she was over 50 and had gone through family breakup, losing us four kids. If anyone's going through a family breakup or those sorts of difficulties, my mum had never set foot in Africa until she was, she'd turned 50. And yet she would spend the next 20 years there. And she noticed that children were not being looked after when it came to HIV treatment. Adults were, but children were devalued. And she had a vision for, she fundraises and built a, fundraised and built a medical daycare centre for children from newborns to 17 years old. And they would be treated, educated, fed and loved over a number of years. And then this treatment went mobile in loads and loads of Land, fly, Land Rovers flying out all over across the country. 
And at one point, 22,000 children of Uganda, that was a quarter of the children suffering with HIV, were being treated as a result of what Mild May were doing out there. And so any justice stuff that I can do, I'm building on the shoulders of giants. And we build as, as the people of God on what has gone before. But it's not enough for us to sit around and, and do nothing. God is calling us to rise up at this time and be those Proverbs 31 people. So these stories, I want, us to say, I want to say this as well, that when we're called to justice and we're called to kindness, it's not just in the big worldwide things. It could be helping someone at the school who's too timid to speak up for themselves if they're being bullied. I know what it was like to be bullied. I know what it's like to have someone stand up for you. It made all the difference. It made all the difference. My friends just, one day they said, we're not having this anymore. I was in year nine, probably 14, bullied by the lad in the year below who always used to take my money, push me around, do all sorts of stuff. And one day they just said, we're not doing it anymore. We're going we're gonna to sort this out. And they sorted it out. And um, I was never bullied by him again. They just, they stood up for me when I was voiceless, even in that situation. You see, voiceless people look, look different all over the place. People who are being oppressed and who are being crushed look very different. They might be the person sitting next to you on the train. It's not just the people in other countries. So maybe you need to speak up at work or in your street or on the wider issues of social and restorative justice. Or maybe you are called to change the world. But you're called to something. Okay, let's have a look then, see if this goes now. Yeah, there we go. So we're going to go, first of all, to two stories that don't normally seem to have much to do with social justice. And this is John 5, 1 to 9. John 5, 1 to 9. And I'm hoping what I say from this point on will be simple and profound and you will never forget it. I'm hoping that I never forget this, how simple this is but how profound it is. John 5. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said. Go up, come back. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in, into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. This guy was sick for 38 years. And although there were people lying there who were blind and in other conditions, it's assumed that this guy is... Um, paralyzed by Jesus' response to him and telling him to stand up and take his mat. So this guy's paralyzed. He can't walk. He can't, he can't help himself. And he's there by the edge of this water for 38 years and can't get well. He can't get into the water to get his healing. And there's that question from Jesus, isn't there, that when you're new to the faith or when I first saw it when I was a teenager, I was like, that's just the most stupid question. Jesus actually sometimes asks stupid questions. Would you like to get well? Of course he'd like to get well. Jesus, he, that's almost like mocking him. What is that? But that isn't what's going on. And I've heard people talk on all sorts of things about why Jesus would ask that question. But I think that something I've been thinking about this week is this. That the other healings that are taking place, people are seeking Jesus out. 
The healings that are being recorded in the Gospels, people are running towards Jesus. They're trying to find him. They're trying to get to him. They're, you know, Jesus, heal, touch me, just, just heal me. And people are gathering around and all these healings are taking place. But this guy, he hasn't sought Jesus out. Jesus has walked up to him. And I think this is a bit like how things are from an eternal perspective. That when we seek out Jesus, he wants to bring healing to us and wholeness to us from an eternal perspective and give us life in all of its fullness now and forevermore. But he doesn't force it on anyone. And so he goes up to this guy and says, look, do you want this? And for everybody who's well, we're looking, thinking, of course he wants to be well. But for all of us who know Jesus, don't we think, of course everybody wants to know Jesus. But some people say, no thanks. Jesus gives them the opportunity. And so looking at this, it's like, well, of course he wants to be well. But, but Jesus still gives him that choice. And for you today... Jesus has life in all of its fullness for you now and forevermore. It doesn't mean all problems will disappear, but you will never be on your own. And he offers you that. And he says, do you want that? And for those of us who know Jesus, we're like, yes, of course you'd want that. You have a choice still. And I hope if Jesus knocks on the door of your heart today that you would say yes. So he asks him, would you like to get well? And the response is one of the saddest lines that I've read for a while, actually, in the Bible. It's been, been breaking me a little bit just to keep looking at it. Because he doesn't say yes and he doesn't say no. Yes would imply hope, by the way. Do you want to get well? Yes. Like, yeah. But there doesn't seem to be any hope left. Do you want to get well? His answer begins with, I have no one. I have no one. Let's look at it again. I can't, sir... The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. And it just made a few questions pop up in my mind really about this guy. Had the disciples ever noticed him before? This was a a Jewish festival in Jerusalem. And good Jewish people made their way to Jerusalem for the festivals. And this guy was always here. Been here for decades but maybe the disciples had never noticed him or perhaps they had noticed him, but they didn't realize that he had no one. Perhaps they hadn't seen him. It's been a real challenge to me reading this, that how many people have, do I not see? How many assumptions have I made about somebody having somebody else who can help them and take care of them and, and be their advocate and be their voice and help them into the water metaphorically, whatever it happens to be. How many times do we just assume that someone, if they wanted to be well, they'd have sorted it out, but they can't. They've got no one, and we're supposed to be the someone, but we didn't realize because we're blindly walking on, and for 38 years we've passed somebody and not even noticed they had a problem. Our world is full of people who have no one. They have no one to see them, no one to help them, no one to be the answers to their prayers, unless we as the body of Christ wake up and open our eyes to them. And so it's just a challenge to us, really. Will we be the one? Question for you, for whom are you going to be the one? When people have no one, for whom are you going to be the one? So they say, I do have someone who loves me. I do have someone who cares for me, who would give up their own comfort, their own whatever it happens to be, so that I have somebody to help me and to be a voice for me. Simple question, but really big. And I love Jesus' immediate response. This guy says, I I have no one to help me in. Jesus doesn't say, well, if you did have someone, would you want to get well? He doesn't. I feel that Jesus just, something rises up in Jesus in this. 
he hears that and he's just like, stand up. Stand up. I'm not, even, I'm not allowing you to be in this position anymore. I, there's this sort of indignant anger I can feel when I read it now. It's just stand up. Pick up your mat. You are not going to be going through this anymore. Not on my watch. Not while I'm here. Not when I can see this stuff. When I can see the hopelessness in you and the fact that no one's there for you. I'm here. Stand up. I'm going to be the one to do this. I love it. Jesus won't just sit and watch, but he gets involved. He got involved in my life and yours, and we need to get involved in others. Simple passages, but from a different perspective. Here's another one. Kids, I did it in a video form. So if you, um, any children here are still in the room, you might want to watch this. Nice to see it in a different way. Luke 5, 17 to 26. Um, I'm going to read it to you as well. Okay, here we go. Luke 5, 17 to 26. One day while Jesus was teaching, some, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and all Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came, marry, marrying, came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. It's another great story, and it's another great pick up your mat, stand up and pick up your mat story. But the scenario is so different for the people involved. Let's compare this paralyzed man with the last paralyzed man. They're both unable to help themselves. The first guy says he had no one. And this man has a group of friends who are there for him. What a difference that makes. Having people to advocate for you. To be your voice. To lift you up. What a difference it made for this man. And what can we learn from these men? That they brought a man to Jesus for healing. They knew Jesus is what this guy was looking for. It took sweat and effort to be involved on this man's behalf. Whoever God calls us to, it's going to take sweat, it's going to take tears, it's going to take effort. You can't sing, break my heart for what breaks yours, and then not expect to cry. You can't say, Lord, send me, and expect to stay seated. So it's going to take some effort. And these guys, for their friend, were willing to put in the effort. When the going got tough, they didn't say, oh, well, we gave it a go. So many times when we come up against obstacles and when we're moving forward in justice as a church, we are going to hit obstacles. We're going to hit things that look like brick walls, that look like, well, this is as far as we can get. We can't really get there. Well, maybe we need to try to learn how to get on the roof and make a hole. We need to be people who don't just say we tried, but keep going. And these guys, they did whatever it took on behalf of the paralyzed man. Just allow these words to sink in because there's not much more to add to them really. But they did whatever it took on behalf of the other guy. 
This is amazing. This blows so much theology out of the water. The man was, was healed because of their faith, not his own. But even more incredibly, his sins were forgiven because Jesus looked at the faith of the men in the ceiling. But he, he didn't say he was sorry. He didn't repent. Jesus saw his friend's faith and said, your sins are forgiven. Now that is nuts. <laughs> I don't want to do a whole message on that just yet. But he was healed because of other people's faith. They had the faith to put him in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, your faith has healed him. And there's, there's people who God is going to put in front of us. And we, they are going to encounter Jesus because of our faith and our complete belief. That's why we continue to pray on behalf. That's what intercession is all about, isn't it? That's why we're praying for my brother and for so many other people. We're just putting them at the feet of Jesus, putting them at the feet of Jesus. Remember that lady who, who had 12 years of bleeding? She didn't have anyone either. She had to encourage herself. I heard someone talk on this recently that she had to encourage herself. If I can only get to him, if I can just get to him, I'll be healed. She, in one of the versions, it said she, keep, she kept saying it. If I can just get to him, I'll be healed. If I can just get and touch him, I'll be healed. In, you know, like David encouraging himself in the Lord. Just keep saying it over and over because nobody was saying for her, hey, look, come through. If you can just touch him, you're going to be healed. There are people who get healed in, the, in, in these Bible stories because they are the ones who make a way. There are some who just are waiting for someone to help, like the paralyzed man. And there are some where we are going to be picking up people and putting them at the feet of Jesus, not just for healing, but for justice. For those, Let's have a look again for that verse in, in um, Proverbs 31. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. That's what you're called to do. That's what I'm called to do. Ensure justice for those being crushed. Whatever is crushing them, ensure justice. For those people. Speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. Two paralyzed men. One had no one for 38 years until Jesus came along. And the other one had people prepared to fight for him. Are you prepared to fight? Could you be an advocate for people being crushed and oppressed? Do you remember the story Nikki told about um, when her, her dad was on a plane going to New Zealand? And she was just, she thought she wouldn't be seeing him again, and she was right. And she just really wanted somebody, some incredibly turbocharged Jesus follower to sit next to Ian on the plane and introduce him to, to Jesus. You may not remember that story, but she, she was like, Lord, please let us be somebody who's enthusiastic, you know, loves you, can sit next to him on the plane for all those hours as a captive audience and talk to him about Jesus and let Jesus know that he is loved and valued and and. So he let Ian know that Jesus loves him and, he, and values him so much. And then Nikki was really, really challenged in that, in thinking how many times may Nikki have been the answers to somebody else's prayers when she's sitting on the train next to somebody and that person's family is saying, one day, Lord, let them sit next to somebody on the train who is passionate about you or on a plane or whatever. Are we prepared, this is my question, are we prepared to be the answer to somebody else's prayers? Are we prepared to be the answer to somebody else's prayers? And perhaps we've walked past a situation for 38 years or more and not realized that someone needed help. Maybe there are people in our streets that we just haven't even noticed. Maybe they've lost hope. Lord, open our eyes to those situations. Lord, give us vision, give us courage, help us to be like the tenacious friends, introducing others to you and putting people at your feet. 
So in the big things and the small things, let's continue to resolve that we're going to get involved. Hopefully this will go deep. Next week is going to be a, it's going to smash out the park kind of message. And maybe God is going to make connections in our hearts to the Dalit people that are going to be transformational to, to, to many. Come ready to receive, ready to hear. But remember, we are called to be kind. And look at the differences, what it makes to people when they've got somebody and when they haven't. Be the answers to someone's prayers. Open your eyes. I'll open mine. And together we can make a real difference. Would you like to just stand up for a moment? I'm just going to give us a couple of minutes, and two minutes silence is quite a long time, but I'm going to give us two minutes to allow Holy Spirit to do some work on what's just been said and to highlight some things in our hearts. We're still in those two minutes. Holy Spirit, would you fall afresh on us now? Would you awaken us? Would you open our eyes to people who say, I have no one to help me, no one to fight on my behalf, no one to hear my voice? Holy Spirit, we give you permission to challenge us, to give us visions and dreams, to give us heavenly strategy, to know where to focus our efforts beyond our immediate location and circumference where, of course, we have to all get involved. But Lord, beyond that, what are you calling us to? Holy Spirit, would you whisper? Would you shout? Would you wake us up in the night with dreams? Would you do neon lights However you want to do it, God, speak to us. Awaken your church. While Skylark Church exists, may there, may there be a reducing number globally of people who say there's no one who cares for me and there's no one who loves me. Help us to love like you love. In Jesus' name, amen.